This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, isn't it about time your printer got smart too? Now printing is smart with HP+. And the HP Smart app is how it all happens. You can print from your phone with just a tap, no matter where you are. Even from your garage slash home office slash yoga studio. Huh, that is smart. HP+. Learn more about smart printing at hp.com slash smart. Leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Welcome to Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath, where experienced leaders share their own brand of leadership to help you develop and improve your own leadership capabilities. And now, here's your host, Dr. Gary. I am Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Coming to you again with our podcast, Leading from the Front. And today's guest is the president and CEO at ACS Benefit Services, which develops technologies and analytics for reimbursement and cost containment in healthcare. She's been in the healthcare industry for more than 25 years, and in the past held a variety of leadership positions, such as Chief Human Resource Officer, VP of Strategic Accounts, and VP of Client Relations. She earned her law degree at Nova Southeastern University in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which I mentioned because that's near and dear to my heart, where I got my doctorate in business administration. So we're alumni. I like that. So we're going to talk about all kinds of things today. Maybe we'll talk about Florida. She's a member of the board of directors of the Self-Insured Institute of America and a former two-term chairwoman of the National Healthcare Committee. She is a frequent national speaker on innovative cost containment, legal, and human resource strategies. I'm assuming in healthcare, because that's where she's lived all these years. Please welcome to Leading from the Front, Carrie Niblack. Well, how you doing, Carrie? I am fantastic. It's a pleasure to be with you, Dr. Gary. So, Carrie, tell the audience a little bit about your background, how you got into healthcare. How you got that law degree in Fort Lauderdale, Florida? Let's let's hear a little bit about Carrie. Sure, absolutely. So I fell into the healthcare business like most of us. You know, folks don't say when they're in grade school, I'm going to go into healthcare. Usually that's not their, their first goal. But it was a way for me as a blue-collar kid from Indianapolis to work my way through school. So what happened way back a long time ago in the 1980s, I got a job as an account representative for an insurance company. And that started my relationship in the business and at an early age, getting to love the business and what we do for clients and participants every day. And that metamorphosed to, I, I took about seven years to work through my undergraduate degree at Indiana University and continually moved up in the, in the business. And then around age 30 or so, I stopped and went to law school full time, finished my law degree, came out and started practicing law and, and, and moved back to Indianapolis where I'm from. And then got drugged right back into the healthcare business very willingly as in-house counsel. And then that metamorphosed to the other roles that you mentioned. And the chief human resources officer position is interesting because that actually was a great breakfast meeting with a former client. And the CEO, I'd had that client for years. And the CEO of that company said, let's have breakfast. So I met with her 
that led to then working and being the, the chief HR officer for a uh, healthcare entity in Indianapolis. Well, hold on. Let's let's back up for just a second because you, you, you went over something very quickly that I think, uh, I, if I heard you correctly, it took you seven years to get your undergraduate degree. It did. So, Dr. Gary, I am the hardworking, blue-collar kid that's the classic bootstrapper. I know that's a term you're familiar with, right? I love it. So, yes, as a former Army officer, a lot of people don't know exactly what that bootstrapping means, but yes, sir, go ahead. I, I agree. Thank you for your service, too. So, yes, I was a good old-fashioned bootstrapper, and I worked, you know, two and three jobs and went to school at night, and it gave me a whole appreciation for earning that degree, which also was very beneficial when I went to law school because I wasn't was in my 20s. I had all that work experience that led into my education at NOVA, I mean, it's really benefited me in my role as a CEO. Yeah. Okay. So you were talking about getting a, a chief HR position with a client. So apparently you had a relationship with this person. They saw some talent in you and they went, hey, Carrie, why don't you come work for us? Exactly. And that's a theme that's continued throughout my entire career. So if you look at the positions that followed from that, the vice president client relations position, certainly this position, all of those have been through relationships with clients or with colleagues or peers who have said, hey, you should talk to Carrie, or I've developed that relationship, which is key to opportunity. Uh, you never know when you're going to get that call or be noticed, and uh, you should always take that meeting, always, even if just to develop the friendship and the relationship. But, but what I've found is the last few positions I've had in my career have all led from relationships. Well, it's interesting because as you're talking about this, what came to my mind is having a very clear career path, step by step, how you were going to do this, what it was going to. And that's the antithesis to what you did in terms of having a process of living, doing your best, working hard and building relationships. That's what I'm hearing from you. That is exactly right. And it's one of the things I mentor younger folks about, and that is. You may not, some of you may have a straight line. Some of you may have a zigzaggy line and be okay with both because I was certainly the zigzaggy line and it has truly benefited my career. Those relationships are 20 and 30 year relationships. I've had, I've worked for folks that were clients of mine. I have crossed paths with people I've been peers with that we worked at the same company you know, 10 years ago, and now we, we work at different companies where we do business together. So it really is that old fable that you hear that is that is so true, and that is that relationships matter. Yeah, it's funny. The first vice president of sales and marketing position I had, I was running my first training business. Uh, you know, I was on my own, and I went in on a sales call to talk to the owner and the executive vice president of Pilot Air Freight many years ago, and they were in our area, and I was talking to them about mission, corporate values, and culture. And the owner turned to the senior vice president when I said integrity and said, yeah, we could use some of that around here. And they both laughed. And then they turned around and offered me the job as vice president of sales and marketing. I understood what they meant about the integrity thing six months later when I had built their company from 78 million to 93 million in six months after they were going backwards for three years and got fired. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, <laughs> sometimes those paths zigzag. Um, exactly. They do zigzag. Always, but, yeah, you should always take the call, and you should. Go to, 
I always take the meeting. I think I've I, I've got the uh, I've got the theme for today is always take the That's meeting. That's exactly right. right. Always take the meeting. <laughs> yeah. So all right. So you you got this chief HR position, and you were saying that down your your zigzag path, you had other opportunities mm-hmm. uh, in vice president positions. I also saw that you have HR certifications. Yeah. And that's another thing that I would would say. I do a lot of mentoring. And one of the things that is so important is continual development of yourself, of others, certainly as a leader, but of yourself. And so even with a law degree, I came out, you know, I'd been in the employee benefits and insurance space already for, for 10 years prior to finishing law school at NOVA. But I wasn't satisfied, right? I wasn't satisfied with, with not learning more. I, I have a a real appreciation of education because I worked hard to get it. And so when I was practicing as in-house counsel after I graduated from NOVA, I got my SPHR certification, then have used that every position thereafter. Um, When you're working with clients and getting new clients, you're dealing with their executive team and human resources, and you become more valuable to them if you have that wide breadth of background and can help them with those type of questions. So those things complement each other really, really well. And again, that makes me a a better CEO because I've sat in those seats. So I've been a chief HR officer. I've been in-house counsel. I've led client relations and sales my entire career. I came came up through the client management wing and have done sales. And so as I sit here and lead ACS, almost all of the jobs in our company, with the exception of CFO, I have done from processing claims. It was so funny, Dr. Gary, because I was teasing our manager of claims the other day, and I said to her, Denise, don't even think I can't walk down the hall and sit down and start, you know, processing claims because I can. And then everybody chuckled. And so it was a great light moment. She's a fantastic leader in our company. But but it's true. I pull on all of that in the years of experience. Having having that kind of functional experience in those different areas feeds into what you do strategically as the, as the CEO now. Talk a little bit about, so when did... When did you take over ACS? How long has that been as CEO? It'll be three years this September. So three we're coming years. up on the anniversary, yes. So in those three years and reaching back into your history, what are some of the key things that you learned in the zigzag career path of yours, not just functionally with HR and claims and all that stuff, but also from leadership? What are the, some of the key things that you learned in leadership along this path that help you today to be the best CEO you can be? Oh, there are many great lessons, but but some of the highlights are surround yourself and hire people who believe what you believe. So you want to surround yourself with first class people. You want to empower them. You want to acknowledge and recognize where you may be less skilled and where you have people who are extra strong in those areas besides you. You want to let your employees see that you want them standing beside you. And this is an important point that I talk about all the time in our company and leadership meetings and with our employee meetings and virtual coffee with Carrie is I, I don't think of our employees as they work for me. I think of we are ACS and we are, it's the ACS family. And from the very beginning, when we introduce someone until I, you know, we send the congratulations letter through orientation, it is welcome to the ACS family. So it's really about that culture and them knowing that they are a direct part of our solution. There's a really simple sentence that I've loved for many years, and that is, if you're going to lead, lead. 
right? Um, and it, it really is. It really isn't that easy. Profound. Yeah. Oh my God, that's profound. Yeah. yeah. So you're going to I want to back up for just a second because you said to you said something slightly different than what I've heard in the past about people get surrounding yourself with people. Because often uh, what I hear is people say, surround yourself with good people, good, you know, great people that can get the work done and you can trust them. And, you know, they go down that. That's not what you said. What you said was to surround yourself with people who believe what you believe. Talk about that a little bit, what what that means. Yeah, absolutely. What it means to me, Dr. Gary, is you know that you are a successful leader when somebody follows you, no matter what title you have, no matter uh, how difficult a road the company has, no matter how easy a road the company has, you know that no matter what, they will follow you because you've made difficult choices that others may have shied away from and that they trust you um, and that that's what smart leaders do, that you surround yourself with people who will follow you um, and you, incor- you incorporate them into the day-to-day. And let them shine, let them learn, let them grow. So let me let me challenge you on this one, because you said hire people, get people, surround yourself with people who believe what you believe. you got this thing, ACS family. What if you have somebody in your organization that believes that their business life, they don't want it to be like their family because they're con- connecting a dysfunctional family with dysfunctional business or whatever that kind of messes up in the head and they go, that's stepping too far. We're not really a family. We just work together. I'm sure you've had somebody that didn't want to, didn't want to play the game. They didn't want to be part of the family. Oh yeah. I've had a few of those in my, (laughs) my seasoned career, a few of those. What I've found is uh, we call this the niblack train. What I have found is that it is very clear early on when folks want to follow you or they don't. And and the neat thing about our culture is we have all different types of ages and backgrounds and religions and beliefs at our company. And it melds really, really well. And it's all, uh, everyone is respected and embraced for that diversity. And that's very important to me. We don't have issues there at all. What stands out to your excellent question is someone who doesn't believe in what the company's trying to accomplish. And, and that's very clear to us very early. Whether it's a lack of passion, whether it's a lack of detail, um, a lack of courage to make difficult decisions. I've had to deal with many of those, and, and I'm a very direct leader. I'm easy, but I'm direct. And those folks usually don't last a long time with me because, because they don't want to embrace what we're trying to do. So that's, you know, that's been my experience that you don't drive confidence by giving someone cake. It's not always cake, right? You have to, it's another favorite thing of mine. My job as a CEO of the company is to challenge you, to teach you, to mentor you, and to work with you beside me to accomplish what we want to do. So so very quickly, um, folks that, that would rather do something else or non-believers in that system or don't want to work hard usually find a different path. Yeah, yeah, work hard. I mean... You, you talk to seven years to get your undergraduate degree, working two or three jobs. And, and when somebody says, I'm working 45 hours a week, this is really hard. I can only imagine <laughs> that that whining does not go well with you, especially with senior leaders, right? <laughs> it, does, it does not. It does not. And likewise, I'm also about sleeves rolled up you know, in the company. So there's this really cute story I'll tell you. 
our vice president of finance, it was one night, it was like 7 p.m. And I'm, I'm, you know, it was back when I was in a suit before COVID. So we're, we're in a suit and I've, the copiers out of toner and paper and it's seven o'clock and we're both working late and I'm in there, right? I know you would do this, bootstrapper, right? I'm in there, suit jackets off, I'm down on the ground, loading the paper, the copier, and this was so cute. Our vice president of finance came in and was all alarmed that I'm down on the floor filling the copier. And she said to me, um, Carrie, we probably have people that can do that for you. <laughs> and I said, why would we do that? Just tell me where the toner's at and we'll get this fixed and, you know, ready to go. And so it's, you know, it's that kind of mentality at ACS. So Absolutely. And, and, he, and of course, you could turn and say, well, where are they? Right. They're, they're, they're not here right now. And I did a damn copy. So. Yeah, that, was, that was the implied yeah. that I didn't take her there, that we probably wouldn't be able to get them at that time. I, 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 yeah, like you said, I'm the same way. In fact, I will often try to find times to be at the copy machine when the toner goes out so that when I'm there at eight o'clock at night and I need to replace it, I know how to do it. Exactly. <laughs> so a lot of what you're talking about though, with the cake and, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of the opposite of you can't eat cake all the time. You gotta, I guess sometimes you gotta eat celery just because celery to me is bitter, but it's a balance. It's a balance in, in, in diet. It's a balance in life. And we talk about the balance and leadership of compassionate accountability. And that's what you're talking about. You can be direct, but if you're on board in your family, we can also be compassionate and empathetic when you need help. Exactly. It is a calling card of my leadership that we give feedback. And that feedback, and it may change on a dime, Dr. Gary, in a day. It may change hour to hour. I am I am very well known for uh, here's what you did really, really well. And, and writing thank yous and acknowledging that. At the same time, I feel it's it's important to say, hey, how I usually say this is, and this is a it's a it's a bit of a joke inside our company because they they see the train coming. Is tell me how we could do that a little bit better, right? Tell you know what have you learned, or I'll say what have mm-hmm. you learned today. Yeah. But it, but it is accountability. And what I've found over thirty years is that people respect that. Um, they feel the empathy. So the emotional intelligence behind that of let's have a dialogue. Usually that's over coffee or that's sitting in my office or that's certainly with Zoom or it's it's just there's a personal. And sometimes that's a one to one. Sometimes it's in a bigger audience. But that that's really digging in and saying both saying, uh, here's what we did really well today, guys. And here's an opportunity to do something better. That's important. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I, I love it. You said it exactly the way we train it in our leadership development program. In our first first part of leadership, step five is building relationships. And it's the three cues, the three questions that ask, what do you like about this? So if you've tried something new, you always ask the person that's new, what do you like about this? What did, what, what did you enjoy about this work? The second question is, if you started all over again, what would you do differently? And the third question is, how can I help? And you just said that in different words, but you said exactly the same three things in exactly the same order. You know, first we start off with appreciation, acknowledgement, and thank yous. And then we'll give some. And, you know, here's the thing. People sometimes, they confuse this with the compliment sandwich. You know, tell them something nice. Tell them something bad. Tell them something nice. And, you know, there's all kinds of jokes on it. If anybody wants to go on YouTube and put in the compliment sandwich, you can find joke commercials and everything about this. It's not effective because you're not, this is not a compliment uh, sandwich. In fact, I'm not even telling the person anything. I'm saying, what did you like about this experience? 
and it completely changes the professional emotion between you and the person you're giving feedback Mm -hmm. to completely changes it because you're recognizing what they've learned and what they would do differently. And you're saying, what would you do differently? And if there were 10 things in my head that Mm -hmm. I was going to correct you on something that I asked you to do, Carrie, 10 things. And you, you, by asking, what would you do differently? You go, ah, well, let me tell you, I learned this and I would change that. And I would do this differently. And you give me seven out of the 10 because you've learned something in the experience. And then I say, well, how can I help? I've got a few things that I could add to that. Would you mind? And they go, no, they're open to hearing it because I've recognized their progress. Progress is the most motivational thing there is in human nature. It's not goal achievement. It's progress. I completely agree. And, And so that is so important to us. What I found is it's especially important with an industry where we promote from within So within the last 12 months at ACS, we have promoted over 5% of our workforce. And what I found, Dr. Gary, is there is a, yeah, yeah, it's, it's good to work for Carrie. (laughs) There's a, uh, there's a good, (laughs) right. There's a, there's a big leap is it, because I've certainly made these in my career. There's a big leap from being a manager to a, even the same industry to a director to an AVP, to a VP, to certainly a C-level. And so I feel that this is the strong mentor in me. If we go back to asking that question, you know, what did you learn and then how can I help? Well, those are very, very important. I, in a very easy way, am also working simultaneously on succession planning with those folks knowing that there is a huge leap from one level to the next. And, and until you get in it, Sometimes folks aren't aware of that. So it's also a side um, accomplishment of helping them prepare for that. Yeah. That I, the work that I do with my clients quite often, there's such a huge jump from manager, director to VP. And I'll, I'll start coaching a vice president or a C-level person. I'm going, so your life has now changed. Right. And they go, well, what, do you, what do you mean? I said, well, you see, you got to understand that, first of all, as an executive in this company, It's like the doctor that's treating the patient. It's the organism, the whole organization that's that's most important now. If you don't keep the organization healthy, then individuals will die. And sometimes it's your responsibility to cut out the cancer. And those decisions of keeping and getting rid of people are the most difficult decisions for executives to make. And most executives have that authority. But as a director or manager, you don't typically have that authority. Your life now changes and the balance between compassion, accountability, and the process of understanding performance management to a point of separation is one of the key things that vice presidents, executive C-suite people have to decide on. And you're changing people's lives. You better not take that lightly. Exactly. It is a 24-7 commitment. It demands extraordinary energy and self-belief and determination in it's instantaneous. So you, as you know, you move to that new role and it is, you're, you're right. I loved how you said that your entire life changes. And, and if you do it right, you are responsible for all of that and it's 24 seven. And so, you know, again, that goes back to the emotional intelligence and the empathy with which we teach at ACS, um, which is so uh, tantamount to, to how I grew up in the business and to leadership. And, uh, 
you know, it's important. Those folks have got to learn to think on their feet and they've got to be able to pivot. They've got to be able to make adjustments and change strategy. And if you have not done that with a company or at that level, when you've got 30 people reporting to you, that's a big thing. It, it is. And, and when you talk about 24-7 commitment, I turned around a lot of different organizations and I would go to my wife at the beginning and she, after a while, obviously she, she knew what was about to happen. And I would say, I'll see you in about six months. When I mean, even back when I worked in, in manufacturing at Procter and Gamble, I was a machine manager and I had a two paper machine, $60 million budget at like 28 years old. That budget really didn't seem that big to me because I'd been an army captain in command and I signed for over uh, several million dollars worth of equipment when I was 25. So this is no problem, right? But a $60 million budget. And I, I said to my wife, I, you know, I'll see you, you know, in bed at night when we go to sleep, because that's about all I'll see you. Cause I would go to work at seven in the morning. I'd work until at three or four in the afternoon. I'd go change my clothes I put on jeans and a, and a uh, dirty shirt and I'd walk out on the paper machine and then work for four or five or six hours and work with the crews because I didn't have any experience in paper making at that point. And you'll, you'll like this, Carrie. So I, I went up to the machine tenders. There's a top guy. These guys have been working on paper machines for 40 years, right? They can touch the machine and tell you a bearing is going to fail in two weeks. I mean, they can just feel the difference in vibration. And these paper machines are huge. And I would walk up and I would say, so... Tell me what are the three things that irritated you the most about the previous manager? And they would tell me. And one of them said, well, they'd make changes without telling me. I says, I promise you, I will never do that. And, and you know, it just made sense. I'm like, wow, he would like change the pH or the, the machine timing and all. Yeah, he would, he would touch buttons. And I'm like, I, my father told me to teach, taught me to keep my hands in my pocket. So I'm not going to touch any buttons. And it's amazing how these little things out of respect to the work that people will do add so much value to the relationships if we just show respect for the people that we're working with, right? You know, I want to I go back a second to beliefs because I've often said if I find a client to work with on our leadership development program, but they don't really believe that you can develop leaders or they don't believe that leaders can get that much better that they're made not, or they're born, they're not made. I won't work with them because different belief system. You can't change people's basic values and it's very hard to change people's basic beliefs. So I love what you say, surround yourself with people who believe what you believe. That's fantastic. Let's, let's wrap this up with some, some more carry wisdom because you've given us so many things to talk about today with this idea of beliefs, you, you mentioned mentorship, you know, and, and, you know, just kind of flew over that. Who were your mentors and what did they do for you? I, let, let's finish up with mentorship. Cause I think that's, that's a big thing that people should be looking for mentors. Absolutely. It's, it's been so critical. So, so for background for me, and you'll probably find this a little hard to believe, but I'm actually an introvert off the charts, right? A lot of good CEOs are. And so one of my favorite mentors is a gentleman named Dan Dalton. And Dean Dalton was the dean of the Kelly School of Business at Indiana University, which is my alma mater for my undergraduate degree. And I worked for him a couple of years. 
he, one of the great things, so he did so many great things. He was just brilliant. He was one of those guys, Dr. Gary, that I, I hope that I emulate a little, where, he, where they walk in a room, and first of all, you just want to hug him, right? He had, he had you know, that's a lot of responsibility to lead one of the top five business schools in the country. But he was gracious, and he was humble. And he, too, was introverted by nature. And so what he taught me was, you can, you, you're going to need to, as you get higher in organizations, you're going to need to push through that and work through that. You can still take your tar- time to recharge it. You know, it's important, but step out of yourself a little bit and speak, even if you do that in smaller settings, you can accomplish both things. So you can strengthen those one-to-ones. You can do it in, you know, or two to three, but you, but you've got to get more comfortable doing that because you're going to lead a company um, at some point in your career, which was that it was very kind of him and certainly a goal. And it's true. So I, I know that I still need to recharge, but what uh, Dean Dalton taught me was how to channel and, and be better at those personal connections to be more vulnerable. Because, because you know, 20 years ago when I had to go give a, a speech in a cocktail room with 400 people, not one of my, you know, the speech was great. I don't have any problem doing mm-hmm. that. But the social hour that was either before or after that, painful for me. And, and what he taught me was push through that and do it in your own way, and it will make you a better leader. Again, it's the emotional intelligence. And, and, and so that was uh, a great lesson for me. Um, he said, he said, you'll change the tone of the conversation and you'll grow. And he was exactly right. Well, I love what you said. Do it in your own way. I mean, that was that's the key to this that you mentioned a few times. And, you know, sometimes people feel like they get pigeonholed as introverts, extroverts, whatever label is put upon them. But doing it in your own way, there's there's nuances to introversion that says that if you're in a smaller group, people wouldn't know you're an introvert because if you're comfortable with the people, you're talking to them, you're open with them, you're vulnerable with them. And somebody says, oh, Carrie's an introvert. You go, what? You know, because in doing it in your own way, you found settings that were comfortable for you. Then your authentic self, that openness can come out and you can just be who you are. Exactly. Yeah, it was a great, valuable lesson that comes into play every day in my role as a CEO of ACS. That's awesome. So, my final question is often the same question I ask in these podcasts. If you could write Carrie a letter and send it back to yourself 25 years that you could read, is there anything that you would tell yourself, the young Carrie, that in your, in your present wisdom you would like to share with the younger Carrie? Absolutely. And it's something that I've gotten much better as I've gotten older, but I wish I'd started quicker. And that is learn the art of managing up. So I was uh, very studious and worked very hard and for such a long time thought, well, those results will automatically speak for themselves, right? I, I, made, I made my metrics, uh, clients are happy, okay, you know, just quit talking or don't, or don't, you know, that will speak for itself. And what I've learned is it doesn't necessarily do so. Well, that's great. I would tell my younger self that it's okay to manage up and to be more visible and to take a chance on a dime, right? To learn to network a little bit earlier. Um, again, this this place where you know I'm I'm very studious, and so uh, what I've learned and what I've gotten much better at, and what I would tell my younger Carrie self is 
that's going to greatly benefit you and just jump into it. That's, that's some great, that's some great advice. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time, your wisdom, your thoughts, uh, just so much that uh, you've shared with us today in today's podcast. I really appreciate your time, Carrie. Thank you very much. Dr. Gary, it was fantastic visiting with you. I can talk with you for hours. So I appreciate you having me on your show and uh, you've got a big fan and much continued to success. And I'll look forward to hearing your, your future visits with other leaders. Thanks. Thanks so much. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. And this has been Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Thank you very much and be well. Thanks for being with us on Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the work Dr. Gary is doing, visit statarius.com, S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S.com. Music for Leading from the Front is provided by Peter Katz. For more of his music, visit peterkatz.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.